Hey everyone, this is Ben Chapman. Thank you for listening to Luminous Church Podcast. It's always an honor that you would take time out of your day to listen to us. We hope that you would see Jesus more clearly today and that you would also be inspired to make a difference wherever you find yourself. Enjoy today's sermon and God bless you. so glad that you are here with us this morning. And if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in an all-familiar verse, Luke chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, open them up to Luke chapter 2 this morning as we are um, concluding our series today, Finding Christmas. Appropriately so. If we extended it afterwards, that would not be so appropriate, would it? And so we're excited. We are doing one service this morning. As you notice, it's kind of full. And so uh, we may have you scoot into just scoot. Everybody just scoot to your left. Everybody scoot to your left. Um, that would be your left. Everybody scoot to your left if you wouldn't mind and just make some room over here for some people. And you can stay on your row. You don't have to cross an aisle, but just scoot to your left just so we, we are able to seat everybody this morning. It's really, um, we, we, rarely, we rarely do uh, one service uh, for this very reason. And our kids' ministry is going crazy right now. So praise God for them. We just need an extra blessing for them this morning and pray for them. But uh, we're so glad that you made it, and not only will we have one service this morning, but we're excited about our candlelight service tonight. We're excited about what God's going to do tonight. It's always a special time to bring your friends and family into that space and just see the power of what it is to sing carols together, to light candles together, and just to be unified in the body of Christ. It's going to be pretty amazing. I just, uh, as people are getting settled in and coming in, I know that some people will be coming at our 11 o'clock service. We apologize if you didn't get our memo uh, that we're doing one service today. So I want to just apologize to you. Please don't let that ruin your experience at church or, or think that, um, that we don't care in any way possible because we do care as much as possible. So um, the ushers will help everybody else get seated as we get going. But I just want to open up in prayer this morning as we get ready to dive into God's word. Father, we just love you. Holy Spirit, we just need you this morning, and we just, we thank you for this season, Lord. It's this season, God, that, that really um, matters. It matters to our soul, not just matters to our pocketbooks or matters to um, the place that we spend vacation or whatever that may be, but it, it really matters because it is you, Jesus, being the fulfillment of the promise of thousands of years coming to this moment, and we're so grateful, so grateful for it. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are talking about finding Christmas. What does that mean for us to find Christmas? What does that mean to, to actually look for Christmas? Now, it, it's kind of strange, such a strange title, because if you look around, you see Christmas all around you, don't you? You see the Christmas lights and the Christmas trees, and you see so much Christmas, you can't you can actually not escape it. Some of you are ready for Christmas to be over already. You know, you've seen it so much. But, but what does it mean to find Christmas? And, and the reason that we want to highlight this is because the truth is with all the Christmas music and the Christmas movies out there, there's a competing theme or idea that is coming against us that competes with Jesus, the whole reason for the season, the whole reason we're here. Everything, there's so much competing against him. In fact, this is one we see in our culture amplified, this competition between uh, this, this consumerism, this, this place of marketing to, to our needs, marketing these things, and, and we, we get so confused. We start thinking that the season's about the little drummer boy or for us 
Frosty the Snowman or Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. We, we started thinking it may be about this. And as we've been talking to our daughter and our son about Christmas, we, we really want them to understand what is the reason for this season. What, what is the truth of this season? And, and it's been confusing because as you tell them that it's about Jesus, all of a sudden they see a Netflix show. Right. And Christmas is not about Jesus, but it's about Santa Claus. Right. It's about Santa Claus. And and my daughter said, I knew he was real. You know, that's what she's telling me. I'm like, what are we doing? Why are we letting you watch this? I don't know. And uh, so some of you still believe in Santa Claus and still believe in the spirit of him. Well, God bless your soul. We're praying for you this morning. You know, we, we, this is a moment where our culture, as a, as, a, as a rule of thumb, has been a very Christian culture, a very Christian nation. Some of us, um, uh, there's been many studies that we're going post-Christian in many aspects. And, uh, but as a rule of thumb, it's very traditional that Jesus is truly lifted up and he's very high. And, and his, he's amplified something that capitalism loves to do. It loves to profit on whatever has momentum in that season. You know, that's true, right? Uh, if, if it's the Super Bowl coming up, if it's the new year, it's 2020. I mean, all of a sudden you're going to see eyeglass commercials because it's 2020, you know, vision uh, year. And, and there's going to be all these things. And, and, and consumerism and, and the, the marketplace is going to capitalize on the momentum of whatever's happening right now. And we see this through all sorts of things. The news media does it through breaking news, right? We're going to capitalize on this aspect of some breaking news, and we're going to ride that momentum. And, in fact, it's, it's we, we are a culture that's been riding waves of momentum, right? Waves of momentum through seasons, through months, through weeks, whatever it may be. And, and you wonder why our mental health is so high right now in our culture. You wonder why anxiety is so amplified right now. There, anxiety is at an all-time high rate right now in our culture. And it's because of this. It's because as soon as something catches momentum... Everything will come around it. Millions and billions of dollars will come around that momentum to amplify it. And this is exactly what's happened in Christmas. It is, is everybody's come around this holiday because it's something so precious to us that it's amplified it. And we realize that we can compete for people's pocketbooks and dollars. Now, now all I'm saying is I'm setting this up to go somewhere. And you're all looking at me like, why are you putting water on my spirit? Why are you doing that? Why are you quenching the flame? And, and the reason is this, because, because we, we are in a culture, because everything's competing against this momentum that's in our heart and our soul. It actually dilutes some of that which is inside of us, some of that which, which we hold so true and so precious. And so we've done something to combat that in many ways. A lot of us have showed up at church today. A lot of us will come to our candlelight service tonight because the, the, the whole culture is reasoning Jesus out of the season. But we're trying to put Jesus into the season. That is the whole point. It's, it's, why, we, it's why we have, have done so much to put attention to it. You know, it's funny, it's like out of sight, out of mind. Do you realize that? How many are out of sight, out of mind people, right? Uh, that should be everybody in here. I mean, pretty much we're all out of sight, out of mind. Uh, sometimes we'll have a nostalgic throwback, you know. But, but most of us are out of sight, out of mind individuals. And in and World War II, before FaceTime and before all the technology that took place, 
it was it, mothers made it their mission for, for kids to not lose sight of their fathers. Uh, and during the war, you, you may think as, as your father is deployed and he's gone for, for years, actually not even knowing if he will return. It, it was a mother's mission to take the picture and the picture frame, right, to their son and say, this is your father. This is who he is. This is what he's about. And, and there's a story that says this, that there was a boy who his mother was telling him about the father. And the boy asked, hey, mommy, it would just be so great if dad could just come out of the frame and be here right now. And this is exactly what Christmas is. It's this moment where we frame it up, the gospel narrative, the gospel story. And we're asking that Jesus would come out of the frame and that he would reveal himself. And, and for thousands of years, everybody was talking about the Messiah, talking about Jesus, talking about who he is and who he was and, 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 and who he would be and where he would come from. And, and it was this moment on Christmas that, that Jesus steps out of the frame, steps out of heaven and comes into earth and reveals himself to us. It's an amazing day. It's something that we don't want to forget. And so we've been, we've been painting this picture of Jesus to our kids as Jesus is so real, so alive to us. We've been uh, making birthday cakes for Jesus. Anybody making them a birthday cake on Christmas Day? Uh, it's a good idea. I want to tell all of our parents right now, this is a great idea. Make a birthday cake on Christmas Day and sing happy birthday to Jesus. Because what it does is it, it makes, it, it makes the, the living God more tangible for your children. It makes the living God more tangible, and this is what we've been doing. It's why a lot of us have practiced Advent. Anybody have Advent calendars or Advent candles where every Sunday you would light an Advent candle and you'd be reminded of Jesus? How many of you in a tradition when you gather around before you open the gifts that you actually read about the greatest gift? You actually read about Jesus and the Christmas story. Okay, a few of us. I want to encourage us that, that this is so important because everything else is highlighting, highlighting everything that they think should be important for your life. And it's going to be a battle for you to fight for what really is important over your life and your family and your kids. It's going to be a battle, and you have to be intentional about it. How many of you have seen some Christmas lights this year? Show of hands. Okay, come on, more participation right there. Praise God. Here we go. We, we preached a message a few years ago called Mas Navidad, and, and it was just more Christmas. And I, it was just it was a sad title and all that stuff. But, but, but we just wanted Jesus to be lifted up this Christmas, and, and we talked about the importance of the nativity scene. And I remember ever since we preached that message, it was one of those things like sometimes you don't live what you preach. You have to preach it, and then you start living it. Anybody know that's true? That's why you got to start preaching to your neighbors and your friends and your family members this Christmas because then you'll start living it. You'll start walking it out. And so as I was studying for this sermon, I was reading about the nativity scene. My parents always had a nativity scene when we grew up. It was always there. It was always about this nativity scene. I remember going over there and playing with it like it was a toy. You know, I was like, oh, yes, the early toy. And it came out for Christmas. And, and it is so important. And so, so it's just an amazing moment because it highlights the purpose for the season that we're in. It highlights the Christmas story of Jesus' birthday, of this promise of the Savior coming out of the frame into our narrative, into our story, and alive and active. It's, it's an amazing promise. It's, it's this moment of Jesus in a cradle, and in, in a manger, and there he is, and it's so important. So my, my kids and I, when we go Christmas light hunting, we, we look for the nativity scenes. 
Do y'all do that? You look for the nativity scenes. It's easy to highlight and celebrate maybe some of the other things that you see in a yard. But we try to make it a big deal every time we see a nativity scene. We try to make that a very important focus for us when we're seeing Christmas lights because we want Jesus to be lifted up, him to be the focus of this season. So we were in Windcrest. Have y'all been to Windcrest lights? It's awesome. It's like throwback lights, man. It's it's awesome. You got to go. And they give you a map and we're counting all the nativity scenes in people's yards. And it was just an incredible moment of really where Jesus would be lifted up. Where he would be lifted up. You see, we need, we all need a sign, don't we? We all need a sign of Jesus. We all need a sign that Jesus is alive. All of us need a sign. We need to remember who he is. We need to know that he is king. He is savior. And in Luke 2, 4, we read about this sign. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there and the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. We we all need a sign in our life of who Jesus is. All of us need a personal revelation of Jesus in our life. Maybe, maybe you can think about a time when you saw a sign that Jesus was alive. When you saw a moment that this is Christ, my Lord, my Savior, the risen one, that you think about this sign. Signs help us, don't they? They give us direction. Signs give us direction of where we would place our affection and attention. You see, signs will help us get to the destination that that we're supposed to go. This was an amazing sign because as as Jesus was prophesied about for, for hundreds and thousands of years that he would come, that first the angels appear to the shepherds and said that you will find him and the sign that you have found him will be that he's lying in a manger. It's good that God is pretty direct in his message. God is not ambiguous on how to follow him. He's going to give you precise direction on how to have relationship with him, how to come to him, how to find him, and how to walk with him. He's not an ambiguous God. He he is very direct, and he's relational, and he wants to instruct you and teach you. In fact, that's that's been part of his story from the get-go. This was early discipleship. The angels were discipling the shepherds as they were keeping watch over the flock. I'm going to instruct you or teach you that you're going to find Jesus lying in a manger, and that will be a sign for you. And that moment was a direction so that they could worship the right way, so that they could worship the right thing. See, we all need a sign because if we don't have a sign, we will find ourselves worshiping the wrong way or the wrong thing. Well, uh, what I mean by wrong way, we'll, we'll face the wrong things in our lives. We'll face the wrong person in our lives. Some of us 
often all of us really wrestle and struggle with self-worship. Have you ever wrestled with that? I've really been struggling with that this holiday season. I have found that I fit in not very many T-shirts lately, that all my clothes are getting tighter. I've expressed this concern a while back, but but I've been doing a lot of self-worship, a lot of eating cookies and eating brownies and, and chocolates, chocolate-covered almonds. There was like a whole thing of them. It must have been 12,000 calories. I mean, it's easily three pounds added to my silhouette. It was amazing. It's self-worship, right? We all self-worship. It's, it's real easy to self-worship. It's real easy to gratify your desires. But what about his desires? What about what he wants for you? What about who he is and who he promised to be? And, and, and that's what a sign does. Every, everything has a sign this Christmas. You'll, you'll see the sign of an Apple logo, won't you? That will be a sign that you need to get the newest MacBook Pro and the iPhone X11. You know, it's, it's going to be crazy. It's like it's, there's going to be signs all around, you know. Peloton has some signs, you know, some signs, some bad press. Anybody reading some Peloton lately? Praise God for you. And uh, Peloton has a sign. Uh, there's, there's all these signs pointing to our, for our attention to be placed on other things but Jesus. Everything. Think about it. Think about it. What, what sign have you been seeing this Christmas? Is there something more magnified in your life that you've been looking for other than Jesus in the manger? Have you been looking for something that, that would have fi- fixed your attention on something other than him? Well, one way to identify the sign that you've been looking for is what do you do in the first 10 minutes you wake up in the morning? The first 10 minutes you wake up, uh, are you checking your news feed, your notifications? Are you turning on the TV? You got to turn on the radio. You got you to gotta be getting, consuming all these things. Is that the sign that you're looking for? What did I miss last night at the game? Well, let me catch up on SportsCenter. Let me, let me catch up on First Take. Let me, let me catch up on, on CNN or Fox News. Let me catch up on the impeachment. I got to find out what happened. Like, how many of us woke up the first thing, the first thing last week, and we wanted to see the impeachment results? That was our first 10 minutes. What sign have you been looking for? The first 10 minutes is a good indicator of the sign that you've been looking for. And I want to encourage us this Christmas is that we, start be look, that we look at the true sign of our true affection of who is Jesus and begin to worship him. Jesus in a manger was a sign. It was a sign that the, the manger is, is a sign that God is being made known to us. See, John 1, verse 9 through 14, it says this, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born out of natural descent, born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We will have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Our sign was Jesus coming and revealing himself. Our sign is a sign of humility. He came humble 
And in his humility, he came to a cradle. In his humility, his arrival was in a manger. And in humility was also his departure on a cross. He was humble from the beginning and he's humble to the end because the sign is humble. And it's one of these that leans itself to a place where we would have a deference for one another, where we would start looking at each other and looking to the needs of each other and start looking how we can encourage each other and build each other up because the sign was humble and he is humble in spirit and in truth. And because he is humble, I will likewise be humble. In this moment, he, he was a sign, and we all need it, but we also all need life. We don't need, just need a sign that's just here and gone. We don't just need a sign that, that just says, here's where you go. We need something. We need life. We need the sign to produce something that will sustain us for what God has promised. We, we all need life. Jesus was to be born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem, the word, the, this name means the house of bread. That he would be born in this town called the house of bread where he would later talk about in John 6, 48, where he would say that I am the bread of life. He's born in a town that, that promises bread and, and yet here he is fulfilling that promise of what he has spoken that I am the bread of life. That he would be the one that we should consume. John 6, 35 says this, then Jesus declared I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. That in this moment that we, we realize that Jesus is providing all of our sustenance, everything that we need in order to live this life he's called us to live. He's given you everything you need. In this manger, if you will, figuratively, was a loaf of bread. That came and offered himself to us so that we could do what we were called to do, and that's to worship him. You see, he gave himself to us in this way, and he talks about how he is going to give us all that we could ever ask, think, or imagine. That he would give us all of our needs, all of our desires, that he would give us everything in order to live this life well, well. He's given us everything to live this life well. And Jesus, in three years, when he walked this earth in his ministry, he was showing us and telling us how you can worship God, how you can follow God, how you can be obedient. His life of three years of ministry was a life of obedience. See, I wasn't just a sign, but I'm a sign that's going to produce life. And I'm going to show you how to live the best life in these three years. I'm going to show you how to live victorious. I'm going to show you how to pray for people. I'm going to show you how to love people. I'm going to show you how to help each other's needs. I'm going to encourage you when you're doubting. I'm going to speak to your doubts and your questions. I'm going to speak to the politics of the hour. And I'm going to speak to everything that you need in this moment. I'm going to give you every single thing you need. This is what he does. And Jesus, Jesus in this moment speaks to our need. I, I, I'm amazed. We were watching, we were watching uh, Santa Claus, one of them. I don't know which one. We were watching one of those Santa movies. And every Santa movie has the same plot. Maybe a couple variations. 
And, and it's amazing that there's always this naughty or nice list in the Santa Claus movies. And y'all know it. And what it is, it's a behavior modification list. It's a list of if you do enough good, you'll get a present. But if you do bad, then you will not get a present, but you will get a lump of coal. And this one movie we were watching, this, this elf had a scanner, and he would scan the kids, and it would say, oh, you're 56% good, or you're, you're 80% good. And then he scanned this one kid. He was like, 37% bad, you know? <laughs> and they gave these percentages to how we, how we did the checklist that year. And we, we've been, we've been if, you, if you're not careful, you'll, you'll adapt into this culture of checklists. Into these religions of checklists, these relationships of checklists where, where it's like, man, I was 51% good this year. Woo! It's a great year. Let our year not be reflected by what we did or we didn't do, but let it be reflected by who Jesus is and what he has done for us. Come on, somebody, let's clap. Come on, let's go. You're not clapping for me? Clapping for Jesus, that he would encourage you, that he would push you on, that he would, he would motivate you. I'm so thankful that Jesus doesn't look at a naughty or a nice list when he looks at Ben Chapman. I'm so thankful that he's not marking me up to percentages of my life. Because I'm telling you, I would be naughty. <laughs> I would be bad. I would not make it. I would miss the mark, and so would you. You wouldn't make it. See, we all deserve these lumps of coal. But Jesus, in his great grace and mercy, gave us the best present that anybody would ever want, and that was himself. He gave himself. See, we, we all need a bridge. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. This house of bread, but this is also where they raised the sacrificial lambs. And in this moment, Jesus, talking about the bread of life, also equates himself as this sacrificial lamb. That I will be the gift that is given for them. I will be the gift that they need. John talks about this. He, he says, the next day he saw Jesus in verse 129. It says, coming towards him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Behold, the Lamb of God, the one who was born in Bethlehem but wasn't a sheep but was our Savior. He is, he is God incarnate, and he is going to live this life to take away our sins. You see, the truth is, is in Genesis, we were all in relationship with God. We walked with God. It, it looked much like this, of us with God, hanging out with him, and it was just us and God. Welcome to my portrait. Yeah, I drew that this morning. Praise God. Genesis 1 says that, that we were in perfect relationship with God. We had perfect relationship with him. We were able to follow him. We were able to walk with him in the cool of the garden. That, that there was an amazing moment. That there was no, no sin to be in us. And then there was this moment where we disobeyed God's command. And anytime you disobey God, you have sin. You have sin. And, and when sin came into the world, there was a gap. And this is us, and we're in this sinful state, and this is all the bad things that we've ever done, all the bad thoughts that we've ever had. This is our disobedience. This is, this is the percentage meter going way down on this list. And, and whenever we try to get to God that we can't, it's not possible. The gap or the chasm is too wide for us to make that leap over to God because he's perfectly holy, and we are not 
So we will fall short every time. So we all need a bridge. And the bridge was not just the manger, but the bridge was the cross. And so we found a cross that he laid himself on, that he took our punishment and he took our shame and he said, it doesn't matter what you've done on the list and it doesn't matter how much you've fallen short and it doesn't matter how much you've sinned or how much you missed the mark. The truth is I'm, I'm sending my son and he's going to die on the cross and that's going to be the bridge for you to get into where I've called you to be. Romans 3.23 says this, for we've all sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. Isaiah 59, 2 says, your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. There's a way that seems right to the man, but in the end, its way is death. As what Proverbs 14, 12 says, you see, we've all fallen short. Every single one of us has fallen short. Every single one of us has not made it. And when there's a, man, a way that seems right to a man where we feel like if we just do enough good to outweigh the bad, then we'll get eternal life, and then we'll get to heaven because I'm a good person. And I can't tell you how many times we have this conversation. I, I get to heaven or I go to heaven because I'm a good person. That's not why you go to heaven. It's not why you go to heaven. You go to heaven because somebody gave his life for you. You go to heaven because somebody took your sin upon that cross, and he paid the price for you. Romans 5 eight says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we are still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still on the naughty list, when we were still doing the bad things, when we still fell short, Christ died for us. You see, Christmas is not just about a manger, but it's about a cross. You see, it's not just the fulfillment of the promise and the manger. That was a sign, but it was his obedience of a life to the cross to the point of death. And it was this moment in John 5, 24, it says, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him, this is Jesus speaking, who sent me has an eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life that when you actually trust Jesus, it moves you into a place for moving from one side of the cliff across this chasm to the other side of the cliff because you trust in what Jesus has done for you. You trust that he is the Lord. He is the, he is the one who has called you. He died a death that you and I deserve to die. And Romans 10, 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 1 Timothy 1, 15 and 16 says this. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. I love this moment as Aaron comes up to close this out. I love this moment because in this moment, we see that, that, that Paul was the one who was the worst of sinners. You realize Paul was a murderer. He was on the bad list. He killed people. He, he was a part of watching Stephen be stoned. One of those, full of wisdom and full of the Holy Spirit. He, he was there watching and doing nothing about it. This is an amazing moment because, because Paul says, if, if, if Jesus can forgive me, he can forgive you. 
Jesus can forgive me, he can forgive you. Let me be an example. And he goes on to be one of the greatest apostles of our day. He goes on to write all these letters in the New Testament that we read about that encourages the church, that spurs the church on. He, he does this in an amazing moment. Would you stand with me this morning as we just begin to prepare our hearts? I want, I want to ask you a couple of questions. And, and then I want, to, I want to invite the team come up in just a moment. And they're going to throw it back old school. Well, you know, from, when we're talking about from here to there, and we're talking about this Christmas series, I, I was thinking about a song that was so reflective that he came from heaven to earth to show the way. From the earth to the cross, my debt he paid. Let me pray for you as you close your eyes and we begin to just reflect on who Jesus is. I want to ask you, and as we presented the gospel so clearly, good news. It's really what it is. Some people call it the gospel. Some people call it good news. Some people call it a salvation story or a salvation moment. But that's presented this morning, this Christmas, because it has to be. Because he's not just in the manger, and I'm so thankful for the sign. For the sign led away. For the promise to be fulfilled even more. It's an amazing moment. But I want to ask you if you're on one side of the cliff and you've never accepted Jesus. And you never trusted in him. You never believed that, that Jesus was the one who would clean you up and make you new. That he would be the one who would give you new birth and new life and you've never done that, I want to invite you to do that this morning. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, with no one looking around, because I'm trying to create a moment. Because I want God to create a moment in somebody's soul this morning. That God would look down and he would look upon that person who's looking at the chasm and it seems so far. And I, I don't want you to be distracting them. No, I want them to have a moment with God as God is knocking in their heart and saying, hey, I'm talking about you this morning. You, right where you are. I've been talking about you, and I've been trying to speak to you for so long that you have to come to me and through me to get to God. If that's you this morning, and you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you raise your hand this morning? With no one looking around. It's just you and God. It's a moment for us. And Jesus, we just thank you. Church, can we pray this prayer? Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus. Thank you for the promise. Jesus, forgive me when I trusted in myself. And today, I trust in you. I place my faith in you. Jesus, thank you for taking me to the other side today, for making me new. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen.